Welcome to the Eyes Up Mindset Podcast, where we explore what it means to grow daily and find our best in every aspect of life. Welcome back to another episode of the Eyes Up Mindset Podcast. I'm John Shirky here with my friend, my co-host, Jamie Wagner. Jamie, good to see you. You as well, man. Um, just another opportunity to connect with people, salt of the earth, people that grow us, challenge us, and somebody that we've had on before, this has been an awesome thing that we've started to do a little bit is to bring back people and especially post their season to talk about what they're learning and what they learned through the process. John Peter Pelican Rapids soccer after an awesome first conversation that we got to have, he, he brings it in a way that you would expect nothing less because he's incredibly transparent, right? He, he just lays it out there and, tells you how he's doing what he's doing and how it's going but he also brings tremendous challenge to us i was gonna say if if you are this is your first time listening get ready i mean it it goes to the heart of the matter immediately and and i think jamie that's one thing we love about him and about getting to do what we do is that this is a real conversation this is about life yes we end up talking about soccer and their season and what they learned and all of those things. But this is ultimately about us living eyes up, living the best versions of ourselves, supporting each other, connecting and growing. And we were kind of talking about it right after we got done recording. He's like, I can't wait till we get a bunch of people, a bunch of coaches in a room together. And we do this where we, where we have this opportunity to just connect and say, how are you doing it in your sport? in your way, how are you doing it? And how are you teaching other people to do it? And And how are you teaching your athletes to do it? We get to do it every week, Jamie. Yeah. It's a, it's an unbelievable gift we get. And, um, yeah, I want, it's one of my favorite things I do all week long is to, is to get these, these moments, man. We got better today, Jamie, but also we moved emotionally. I did. I won't speak for you. And I I think as a listener, as you hear, John talk again, JP, whatever you call him. I don't coach, but it's just incredible conversation, life giving stuff. Appreciate you. Here we go. John, Peter, uh, I am so grateful you have joined us for a second time. We have become pretty good friends. I would say in the last since, I mean, the last six months or so, um, it's been an awesome journey to kind of walk alongside you through what we talked about in this, you know, post track season. Now we're here talking about the soccer season and kind of what you've learned through that, but man, welcome back. Great. Great to have you. Yeah. Well, you were clearly have become a friend because I answered my phone on a bike ride and then talked to you for like 35 minutes the other day. So like, you know, most of those calls don't get picked up. So yeah, you're, you're on the list in the Jamie. inner sanctum, man. Yeah. It's, it's awesome yeah. for sure. Boy, I can only imagine uh, being a fly on the wall of one of you guys's conversation. I mean, I guess I am right now, but, uh, I can only imagine. Though, yeah, no, I know. I usually, I just get to listen. I just curious <laughs> how that goes with you guys. It's pretty nerdy. Deep, yeah. <laughs> pretty serious. Um, no, it's, it's been really great. I, I, as I've said on this podcast before, many people know I, I tend to just like dive right in and go deeply to the, to the point because I, one, I'm not very good at small talk and two, I, I don't enjoy it because I'm not curious about what the weather is like. I'm mostly curious about what you're about and you are incredibly willing to go there and that is I, I love it and hence why you made such a great guest the first time and why we felt it really important to bring you back. The first question that I know everybody's kind of wondering about that, that may have heard the first episode, go back, check it out. JP is incredibly raw and real and vulnerable in the first episode. And so there's some context that may be necessary, but how are you doing kind of on your mental health journey? What are you doing to help support that? Whether it's therapy or, um, you kind of mentioned you were on your bike. Um, you know, I think that's a huge part of what you're doing too. So, give us a little info of where you're at. Yeah. So that's honestly probably the most common question from people. I don't run into a lot. Um, They kind of know what went down. And and for those of you that don't have the time to go back and listen uh, last a year ago, uh, I had a pretty big mental health crash. It was my third of the year. 
Uh, it led to a bipolar diagnosis, um, which at the time was like kind of, I just kind of shrugged my shoulders. Like, this is who I am. And through most of the winter, I was like, yeah, there's these awesome times where I'm super productive and I'm like manic and I get like so much done. And I'm like this superhuman version of myself, like with how my brain works. Um, and then I got into counseling last spring and I had kind of started to talk to you guys about this during, during the first episode I was on. And, and I got in counseling and I started to realize what this whole being bipolar is and the kind of the beast that it, that it has, you know, put on me. Um, and yeah, it is, it can be, and I, I don't even call it fun anymore because the reality is, is when you get the manic episode, what comes next, you get Crash, the, yeah. the low. And, and so what I have really told people, cause they're like, well, how are you doing? And I'm like, well, I'm, I'm managing it. And, and sometimes people have been like, well, doesn't it kind of like go away with treatment? And I'm like, no, like I am always manic or I am always depressive. Like I'm up or down all the time. It, there's not, an, my brain does not have a neutral gear anymore. And it maybe never did, you know? Yeah. And, and so all these things, counseling and, and, you know, the big one, let's start with medication. I, there's so many people that are scared about big pharma and what the, I need to take lithium. I have to. <laughs> and again, like, yes, I'm going to tell you what's going on because one question I get then when I get talking with people who are like, actually I'm bipolar too, is they want to know, well, what are you taking? Like it's some big secret. And I'm like, no, I'll tell you. It works for me. doesn't mean it's going to work for you, but medication is huge. I have to take it. I got the little pill counter. So I don't forget. It's part of my nightly routine. Right. Um, you know, awareness, awareness has been a big piece brought on by counseling of like, Oh, I'm in a low spell right now. Or, Oh, I'm running super hot right now. And this is, this could be problematic if we don't do some things. Um, and so, yeah, I'm doing well now, right. It's yeah. under control, but like the final two weeks of the regular season going into playoffs, definitely a two week low point for me. And, and people hear that and they get really concerned. And I say, well, hold on. I said, the awareness has been huge. And so once you know, like, oh, these are all the feelings that go along with being depressed. And here is my way out. You know, it's not like I stopped taking my meds at any point. I'm always taking my meds, but I know like, okay, I better be really hard lined with my sleep habits. And I try to be all the time, but if I start to notice that I'm having some issues, then we get into, let's be really strict with sleep. And I got to get, I got to shut the laptop at 1030. I got to be in bed by uh, 11 and then exercise, you know? Yeah. I, I, you called me and I'm out riding my bike and exercise it, for people that know me, especially from like, I come from a background where I've like run my whole life or I've biked for a long time. And they're like, yeah, of course you're going to exercise, but this is the first season in six years of coaching soccer that I've exercised during the season because I would fall into this trap of believing like I got so much to do and I got to, you know, we got to run the analytics model on this game or we got to, you know, do this and that. And I, and I just, at the beginning of the season, I said, you know, I'm going to try something different this year. I'm going to try to four days a week, not like crazy amounts of extra, but like 45 minutes to an hour which for me, like coming from a background in college where I ran 90 to hundred miles a week and then, you know, was riding an insane amount, like 45 minutes a day is like, man, we're hard. Why, why are we even getting on the bike? Yeah. But this fall, it was really necessary that a lot of nights I would come home if we didn't have a game. And once we got the kids to bed, I would just, okay, I'm going to go, uh, you know, ride the trainer or go out and ride. If it was still daylight, just get 45 minutes in. So what, it, what did, yeah. What did it do? I mean, you yeah, well, said, here, I'm going to try so, something new, do something mm -hmm. different because I need to, but how, yeah. did, how did it play out? Okay. So we talked about awareness brought about the real reality of here's what depression feels like. Hmm. And for years, I, when I was like super depressed and we realized in counseling, like, oh man, I've been depressed for like a decade and I would get in these, in these low moments and you feel so tired. 
and your arms and legs feel like they weigh 300 pounds. And you don't, the last thing you want to go do is exercise, but your body actually needs to go exercise. So it can create the chemicals that are going to help the meds and everything else do their job. And so you can sleep better because if you're not sleeping, like that's the number one trigger for all of this that I have learned. John's the expert. This is his job, but <laughs> like, this is just stuff I've learned. And, and so I'm going to share it because it's stuff that I misunderstood for years and years and years, even before I was diagnosed bipolar. And so you, there were days where I'd be super stressed and you know, the anxiety kicks in when you start feeling in those low moments. And I'd be super anxious about things, get on the bike for an hour, not want to do it, go do my workout, get done and be like, wow. And it, it wasn't like, Oh, I'm back to baseline, but it was like, Whoa, that got me way out of the hole I was in. Now we're moving in the right direction. And now when I went to bed, I'm a little more tired. And so I fall asleep and I sleep better and we get back out of that hole pretty quick. And so the, the big thing is the, the highs and the lows that I had been experiencing for years, you know, might be like off the paper for trying to draw them in the past and the lows would stay down for six months. And now, like I said, you know, I've, there'll be days where I'm like, Oh, we better go to bed tonight. Cause I'm feeling kind of ramped up. And if I start working here, that's going to be fun. That might last for a day or two. And then the lows might last for a week or two, but they're not anything like what they were in the past. So it's, it's so fascinating to me. And it, it's a challenge. You know, I think we hear it's me mitigating the challenge of bipolar, but like all of us know when we function at our highest and our lowest, you know, we, but we don't pay attention to it. Like that awareness piece that you're speaking to is so vital for everybody, for all of us. When am I feeling low and what do I need to do about it? You know, I, mine doesn't manifest in my arms feel like it's 300 pounds, but it manifests in a different way. And each one of us has that same sort of, and John talks about it all the time, right? We, it's a spectrum, this, this spectrum of fitness to health. And at times you're going to be all over on that thing. And so, or fitness to manic or whatever we want to say, right? John, fitness to health is the same thing. Um, anyway, but we got to know, we got to be able to dial in and check in with ourselves and say, I'm in a, I'm in a lull here. I'm in a low spot. Is it what, you know, like, what are your non-negotiables? You're telling us it's sleep and, and some exercise, like, that's a pretty great place to start for everybody. Um, you know, and to be honest, we might not listen to the expert all the time, but we're going to listen to somebody that's had the experience. So your voice is just incredibly powerful in that way. John is nodding his head. Like, yeah, people don't listen to the expert all the time. No, I don't. I mean, it's way more powerful coming out of your mouth. Having lived it. I can, yeah, I can tell you all the, what the book says, but you lived it. Right. And, and I think, that's the more important thing is a continuing, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about finding what works for you. It's not always the new shiny thing, right? It's, and, and it's, that's why people sharing their stories, us connecting with each other and reaching out and saying, Hey, this is me. This is what works for me. If it works for you. Great. If not, somebody else has an idea for you also, you know, I, yeah, Jamie, I, I think you're right. This, the idea of the spectrum we all deal with, various mental health symptoms and well wellness to you know struggling as that spectrum and and the other thing that struck me jamie was not only the awareness but john the the willingness to say i'm going to do go do this thing because i think a lot of us jamie actually are aware right we know when we don't feel well but are we willing to say nope i'm going to go get on the bike so john i guess my question for you is what, what helped you to, other than just recognizing and telling yourself, okay, I know that I need to do this. How did you get yourself to go do that thing that you knew you needed when you didn't feel like it? Cause I think that's the struggle for most people. It's like, yes, I know that I need to eat better. I know that I need to go to bed, but I'm not, I can't do it. I can't force myself to do it. Right. Yeah, definitely. It kind of was, uh, like now, every time I feel low and it's time to exercise, I, I don't have to talk myself into it. I'm just like, let's go do it. In the spring, when I was first starting to exercise again, and like, I think I talked about this with you guys that like last fall, when I first started getting treated, 
like they needed my doctor needed me to exercise so she would have me go like walk 10 minutes a day again like i'm a college former college 10,000 meter runner i've raced like multiple 100 mile gravel races quite successfully and my doctor's like your lymphatic system is so messed up right now from years of not sleeping the only exercise your body can handle is 10 minutes a day of walking and so that steadily built up um to the point where by like january i could get on my bike in the on the trainer and ride for like 15 20 minutes and in the spring i was starting to notice like this was really high stress end of the year um school year was finishing track season went like a month into june this year because of the pandemic and we had this huge overlap with you soccer and so the stress level was really high. And I just started to notice that anytime I would get out and exercise, I just felt better. And at that time, I wasn't even, it wasn't even on my radar yet that like, oh, I'm going to start racing my bike again and doing it. It was just like, I need to get out and exercise. And it was just that daily recognition of like, yeah, I didn't really want to do this. And my counselor told me I should anyway. And I kind of laughed at her. And then I got done and was like, wow, that. I can't believe how much better I feel. And again, like it didn't get me back to fully to normal. Like all the pieces have to work in place to get us somewhere in that range. But it got me to a place where like, oh, I'm way less stressed out about whatever I was an hour ago. Or I can think a lot clearer about whatever I was stressed out about an hour ago. Uh, And all those, you know, all those little tools that you're taught in counseling to how to think about things or how to not think about things. All of a sudden I could do them again. And so it was just the continual process of like, I'm going to go do this. Oh, I'm having some success with it. Maybe I should do that again. And rather than just, you know, in college, if you told me I needed to go run 90 miles a week, it was no problem because it was kind of chasing that manic high that I was after all the time. And let's just go chase numbers and let's go, you know, how far into the ground can we run ourselves? And this was totally different. And, and I started to see that like, with some balance, I actually could start having some success on the bike again. Um, which then that drove me in a different, in a different way, but still well, positive. That, that triggers the, the competitive side that, yeah. that triggers all the things that we've, you know, and I, I guess I want to ask this question, how you said it's different. It was totally different, but how much are the skills that you've learned through that discipline behavior showing up again, you know, like, Oh, I was a college runner that went out and ran 90 miles. I was on a bike all the time. I was a competitor. Like how much does that behavior start to feel norm? You know, like, Oh, I'm just tapping into the skill that I already know. Yeah. I think, I mean, John, you asked why it's easy or why I was able to do it. I yeah. think that's part of it is like, I've done it forever, you know? Um, and at some point too, in counseling, my, my counselor said to me, and she had watched the documentary at that point. So she had seen, like seen me in action, you know, and she goes, you're a really good coach. Who's terrible at doing anything you actually say. Um, and I mean, those are, those are moments, these are, you know, when you're in counseling, that's somebody that you've like bared your soul to. And for them to say like, you're really good with other people, but you're terrible with yourself. And she's like, you need to start following some of your own advice. Um, Cause she goes, you tell me all about the things like wellness wise that we're working through with the athletes or with health and men- mental thinking. She's like, you're doing all these things we're reading about in this book with them. Why won't you do it with yourself? And so that was kind of a turning point too, of just recognizing like, I have to hold myself to the standard I expect from my athletes. And I think a lot of us don't do that. Like I, I know a lot of coaches are listening and I do not think, I don't think I'm the only one that is terrible at doing what I tell my athletes to do. I'll, I was I'll looking for a piece for of sure. paper, right? I'm looking for a piece of paper to write it down as one of my takeaways, follow your own advice, right? We are great at giving the advice and a coach of ours in college used to say, you know, one, one ping, finger point out there, four point right back at me. Like I'm not preaching to you. I'm, telling myself and if i don't do it shame on me sort of thing and we we all get there right i think that is a a crucial component of of what we aim to do with this podcast in some ways it's like the people that are listening are aiming for striving for better right 
and we listen and we engage and then we, we walk away and we're like, yeah, that's a great idea. And we don't do it. Right. And how often are we guilty? How often am I guilty of that? Right. Even being the host and say like, it is really convicting to stand in front of a group of 17 or 18 year olds and say, I'm, you know, go do this and then not do it yourself, you know? And so, um, but we're really good at it. We're yeah. really good at saying, go do this and not do it ourselves. So, so um, I want to go back to the, the skill thing you talked about how you, it was easier because you had the already developed a skill as an athlete to have structure and discipline and, and put together that kind of routine. I think that's something most people have because they're able to do it in some area. For you, it was college athletics, right? I can go run. I can do the thing. I know what I need to do and check the boxes. Boom. If it's work, people show up to work every day for the most part, right? You have the discipline in one area of your life. And I think that's where we get stuck sometimes is like, no, I, uh, I'm just not very good at it. Well, no, you, you have it. You can choose to, to utilize it or not. And it's tough because it's, again, it's a lot of in inward looking and that's hard. It's hard work. One of the things that we've talked about a lot, JP, in as I've been picking your brain about how to be a better coach and how to give away stuff to other coaches is how much you engage with your athletes in one-on-ones and how much do you reflect that inward assessment, that self-awareness piece back to them? Um. That's a good question. Well, you know, that's something that we transitioned into this year quite a bit. You know, um, you, you kind of asked me to think about like my key takeaways from the season. Right. Yeah. And, and I just, I have, I have down some things I wrote down relationships and preparation are everything. Um, but within that, the first subheading is that learning styles matter. And you're going to, and people are going to be like, he's not answering his question. I am answering your question. <laughs> okay. Learning styles matter, right? So everybody has these different learning styles and how do we self-reflect? How do we get kids to self-reflect? Um, one of the things we incorporated this year um, is we have our curriculum and every, we call it the team Bible. Every kid gets a team Bible. This year I added about 25 pages to it that are, journal it's self-reflected journaling every day and then on a game day the self-reflected journal questions are different and i went through and i was like okay day 12 is a game so that needs to be a game day set of questions and then one of our assistants um pretty much every day when the kids got to practice they had to show him their journaling before they could come in uh, into the like once they got all dressed before they could enter and start you know, the kind of self warm up, they had to show him what they had written about. And, you know, if there was something out of the ordinary or, or alarming, he would just, you know, as they were doing their warm up, he'd come over and be like, you know, you need to talk to so and so about this or, or this is a theme that I'm seeing through all their answers. Um, but it made them, they were questions that made them think about the game, maybe in ways they weren't thinking about already. Um, some of them were as simple as, you know, who played well today, yesterday and or today, you know, cause they were going to do it at night after practice. who played, who else on the team played well today? Cause this is a, this is a link sport, right? Uh, this is not five guys dribbling on a basketball court where one guy named LeBron James can dominate for a decade and a half. Right. Like it's 11. So if Messi's teammates on the Argentina national team are trash, he is trash, right? Like that, that's how soccer works. And so you better know what your teammates are. So we would say who else is playing really well today and why? And we were wanting more than, well, they scored a goal. And if you play in our system and in our program and you sit through our analytics meetings, you know, we don't really care about goals at all. Like <laughs> you better be doing all this other stuff based on our analytics. And so, um, that's, how have I taken the self-examination part? We've forced them to journal. And, and I say forced because there's a lot of high school kids that if you're like, yeah, you should do this. And then you, if we didn't check that every day, like occasionally it would slip. And I would say, Andy, we've forgotten to do it for the last three days. And guess how many guys hadn't done it? 
because we forgot to check or because we forgot to tell them you got to do this. You know, it's, it's a skill that has to be developed. And then they start to do it in other areas or they start to think about their classwork that way, or they start to think about, you know, their job that they work at Walmart on the weekends filling online, or they're going to start to think about it that way too. What am I doing? Well, what's not going well? You know, what am I loving? That was one of the questions on there every day. What are you loving about what we're doing? What are you really frustrated with? And guess what guided a lot of our one-on-ones that question, you know, if you're constantly frustrated about something, then let's talk about it. Yell at me about it. Tell me why you're frustrated. Uh, Because that for me as an athlete in high school growing up, it drove me nuts when something was happening and I didn't know why it was happening. Like a coach was making a decision and I didn't understand why they were making that decision. And then we'd get two weeks down the road and I was being lazy and I was doing because I didn't understand why I wasn't playing or what something wasn't happening. And I just said, I'm never, I don't want to be that coach. Like if a kid's not going to play, I want him to know why he's not going to play and how he can fix it if he wants to. And it kind of, you know, Daniel Jones episode, like this is literally just going to bring it up. Oh my word. Like if you, you, everybody needs to stop listening to me right now and go listen to Daniel Jones, volleyball coach uh, from like Montana Montana state. State. Yeah. Yeah. And everybody's going to be like, what's a Montana state volleyball coach going to tell me? He's going to tell you everything and flip your paradigm of life upside down and then go listen to Tom Ryan, the Ohio state wrestling coach. Um, because both of them, you know, Daniel Jones talks so much about you are telling me you want this by your behavior. And that, that was a big driver for us this season with a lot of our athletes, um, and and a conversation that got repeated over and over in our one-on-ones. It's like, you say you want this, but you're really telling me this by what you're doing. Uh, and that made sense. You know, it, it took a little while, but they started to really grab onto those ideas. So yeah, the, the learning styles are huge. You got to bring information to people in various ways. And journaling is obviously one of them. It's not the whole, like, you can't expect that you're going to change a program just by having journaling. Yeah. Coach, you what know? was the, you said they had to show one of your assistants the journal beforehand so they could yep. read it and look, look through it before they could come in and start their warm up. Was there a consequence if they hadn't done it or what was the conversation like there? Because I think that's, that's maybe the, for coaches listening who are like, Oh yeah, that sounds like a great idea, but what if I can't get my kids to do it? Like, yeah. So we would make a, we, we have a singular punishment in Pelican Rapids boys soccer for like any, anything like you show up late perimeter. You don't write in your journal. It's a perimeter perimeter. is like the fence of the facility. It's 400 meters and it's a sprint and there's a time limit on it that makes it. So you've got to go pretty hard. It's one. You just, you got to do it. Uh, if you don't write in your journal for two, three days, you're going to have a meeting with us that like, you don't seem to care that you, that you're here. Oh no, I like being here. Well, you're not writing in your journal ever. And that's expected. And you can either start, you know, thinking about your day a little more and, and how the team is valuable to you, or you can, we'll see you next year, you know? Uh, and that usually one, the, the eventual fear of the perimeter drives a lot of things. <laughs> um, I hate, I hate motivating with fear. Um, yeah. It's not effective long, you know, long-term as far as a behavior change, but it does get results in some areas like getting on time to practice and, and getting your journal written. And then the real conversation usually takes care of yeah i'd say maybe one guy all season wasn't writing very much um and he was he was you know another daniel jones ism like coach him up or coach him out and he was one where we're like okay guys we're at this point with this player and and you know the kid got to the point where he was like i don't want to do this anymore to me and then he went and talked to our assistant and our assistant was like everybody here is in your corner man we're all here trying to help you and if you would just start to listen, we're going to help you. And the kid decided to stay and was like a totally different person the rest of the year. But 
Isn't Sometimes that, those hard crazy conversations you, have to happen, you know, and you need, yeah. and you need all of your staff to be on the same page, you know, to yep. understand here is the route we're going to take now. And, and I don't love that we're at this point, but here's the route we're going to take. And we're all on the same page. And, and ultimately uh, you do great things when everybody's working together. Well, and how valuable is it to have another voice say the same thing, right? Isn't it just crazy how much that matters to, to young kids, especially, but to all of us, in my opinion, like we need to hear the same thing a couple different ways from a couple different people. And to, to know that you're cared about because we're all on the same page right now is just, is vital. So, well, and Koji, you started way back when Jamie asked the, really in-depth question. You talked about relationships and preparation are everything. You know, I think I can't help but think about just that, that act of saying, Hey, we're going to have you reflect. Not only is that teaching you to look internally, be aware of your own thoughts, feelings, emotions, and then there's a sharing with a coach, right? That creates another bond and a connection builds trust, builds confidence, builds the whole thing. It builds the relationship which again, we all know is everything. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. And, and that's the thing is like, I don't, the old me, like a year ago wants to control everything and hasn't been told you need to delegate. Like I would have been the one trying to read those journals, but there was so much more value in Andy, my assistant doing it, even though he's the JV coach and rarely works with the varsity players, like to read how they're thinking that means he can then have conversations with them during warmups. And that means he can have, you know, interactions with them in other places in his history class, because he knows how they're thinking or what they're doing, or he knows a little bit about how they tick. And, and that matters, you know, because it's, it's multi, more layers to the people that are working with these kids. So talk a little bit about that, the old you that needed that control, because I think all of us as coaches are on some version of this spectrum too, right? Where we don't desire to be head coaches because we don't want to have control, right? I mean, let's be honest. There is a portion of us that has that ego that says, I want to be in control. I want to make the decisions. I want to be the ultimate responsible person here. So how did you work through or what shifted for you to go from, I need to be this person to, I don't, I'm going to give some of that up because maybe my time, maybe it's not even about your time, but maybe it's about utilizing all of your resources in a better way. I don't know. I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but uh, how, did that, no. how did that switch happen? Uh, Cause I was I mean, just, I literally was just having a conversation with a coach about this very thing where it was like, I want to do all this stuff, but I feel like I have to do it all mm-hmm. and I don't have time. And so then my time gets taken up with all the stuff that I need to do. Yeah. That's a great question, John. Um, I think honestly, some of it started a year ago. You know, I, I missed, I missed time. I had to be gone. Not by my choice. I was forced at a very critical juncture in the season. And at that time, I, I only had one assistant. And he had never coached soccer before last year. And so like, and guess what? Practices ran fine. You know, the only thing the boys said afterwards was we were missing the tactical piece, but everything else was good. And, (laughs) and, and the, and then the realization over the summer of being able to bring Obelio in as another assistant and, and to work with him. And, and to, I think sometimes we want to, we don't want to delegate because we don't want to spend the time to work with our assistants to get them, you know, to, sometimes you have assistants who, and I'll just say it, Ube had never coached before this year. And so there's some things that you have to work through. You know, there's some things that like, this is how we do it in this program we have to talk to kids in this way when we're here, you know, that, that I realized if I put my time into him, I'm not actually going to have to do as much because he can do 
Like if I've taught him enough about our program and the paradigm that we operate in, he can carry it out X, Y, and Z. Um, and then, you know, just part of it was, again, like I made a decision that I am going to take care of myself this year. Um, and that decision required that I was going to have to drop some stuff, you know, um, Jamie, I think you've said to me a bunch of times, like we can't pick something up without dropping something else. It, yeah. Like it just doesn't work. And so if I was going to every take yes care- is a no, right. That's yeah. probably the language I've used. Every yes to something is a no to something else. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And so I couldn't, Oh, I'm going to exercise more and I'm going to go to bed by 11 o'clock every night during a soccer season that crams 14 to 16 games into six weeks. Like that's, that's yeah. not going to work. <laughs> and so I had to, you know, I had to hand over about a third to half of our analytics work to my assistants and say, you guys got to do it. It's horrible, tedious work. It's, it drives what we do. You got to do it. I trust that you can get it done. And, and trust is for me, the bigger piece of how did I delegate? I had to trust a lot and occasionally say, Hey, we didn't do this right. That's okay. Let's try it again. Um, and by doing that, you know, we end up with, we end up in the same place we were the year before, (laughs) you know, we're in the section, we're in the section final again, uh, because I've got my assistants doing a whole lot more work for me this year. Um, and I, I don't want it to sound like I just showed up at practice and I rode my bike a lot this season. That's not what happened. Everyone that knows, you know, that that knows that that's not true. Right. I mean, Correct. <laughs> but like, cause we still did an insane amount of planning on a regular basis. It's just a lot of the things that in the past I have carried uh, or tried to carry myself. I knew I couldn't do it anymore. And, and I would really hope that it doesn't take like a life crisis for people like to recognize it's time to give more uh, control over to your staff. Um, And and trust for me was just the big piece. So I listened to the Craig Rochelle leadership podcast quite a bit. And he says, if somebody can do it 80% as well as you can give it to them and sooner or later, they'll do it 120% better than you can. Like they'll do it better than you can. And if somebody can do it 50%, coach them up to 80, right? He says, just get them to 80 and then give it to them. You know, like as leaders, we want to be in control, all that stuff. And the thing that you said that I love most about is like, we are still in the exact same place we were last year. It didn't affect our success. Like I learned to trust my guys because honestly, there's some systems in place that kind of lead the kids and the athletes in such a way that we're going to be successful anyway. And then you say, let's rewind just a little bit. The goals aren't important. It's all the other stuff that's important. Like when you have that structure in place, you have the trust and the communication in place, you're going to be successful uh, no matter what. So let's talk there. Let's go to that section final game uh, for anybody that doesn't know. I'm going to, I'm going to give you the breakdown. I wasn't able to be there in person, but I did listen to it online and it's zero, zero going into the you know last 15 minutes of the contest. And you guys are playing well. You're executing at a high level. It's it's clear and it's obvious. You get a you get a goal on board. Tw- you know, twelfth minute or twelve minutes left. You're ahead. Everything's going well. Um, I don't know. Did you tighten up a little bit? Because with three minutes left, we concede a goal on a set piece, a header. Um, right? Somebody yep. they had in one home. Yeah. So yep. concede a goal on a set piece. Um, and with three minutes left, it's tie game. Go to extras go to extra time, nil, nil and extra time, go to shootout, losing the shootout, heartbreaking loss. Right. And you were quoted in the paper and you said this, this loss, obviously heartbreaking. Mostly seniors have been here since the beginning of the program. And so to miss out on this opportunity, our goal of getting to state, especially in the way it went down is really hard, but it's also amazing to turn and see the Vikings stand completely packed. I mean, it's mostly all alumni from the past 25 to 30 years back there tonight all backgrounds and languages, some parents, some formal players, some friends just here to support. It's what actually matters that we have community because when you lose a heartbreaker like this, when what you work for is gone, all you have left is each other, the people in this community. And that's enough for me. It's enough. I hope everyone else realizes how special this community is. I think 
that in itself is an incredible testament to the program that you've built and said, this has to be enough. Walk us through the, the aftermath of that heartbreak because you get to the goal. Let's go to state. Mm-hmm. And we're right there. We're on the doorstep. We lose it in the last three minutes. Okay, cool. Let's regroup. Let's go. And then we lose it in the shootout, which is the worst tiebreaker in sports. Let's be real. But anyway, um, maybe the best <laughs> tiebreaker in sports. I'm not sure. Um, but devastating loss. And you say, it's got to be enough that we have each other. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, part of it is like, you get to that moment and what there's nothing to say. There's nothing you can tell anybody. Um, but I, for, for me, this gets back to like, what is your culture built on of your program? What is the culture or, or your business or your classroom or whatever you're doing? What is your culture built upon? All right. And, and we, talked the last time I was on, right? It's all about relationship. And it's all about, you know, our lives are bridges to each other. And we're store, you know, everybody's got a story and every story is valuable. But our program, the bedrock of Pelican Rapid Soccer from day one in 2015, when I went to Derek Nelson in the spring and said, we got to have a soccer program. The, the bedrock idea was relationships and love in this community. And how that could change our community and how we use sport to do that. And so like for me, like, yes, absolutely. I wanted to win. Right. I'm super competitive. I hate losing. I hate it. All right. But when we, we walk to the bench, we're going to penalties. I'm so frustrated that we have gotten to this point in the game. Okay. And you've built your program on love and relationships and Lico Pedroza, our captain who like, I have a video from the very first day of youth soccer we ever did six years ago. And he's this tiny little guy who you think, how can you kick a soccer ball? Okay. He's our vocal, incredible leader of a captain. He looks at the whole bench right before I try and start talking. And he says, guys, no matter what happens next, we all love each other. And that's all that counts. And at that point, I'm just like, well, I'm out. Like, well, can't say anything. Yeah. What am I going to say here other than, yep, you're right, man. And like, that's, that's why you tell your team every night at the end of practice, I love you guys. I'll see you tomorrow. Or I love you and I'll see you Monday. Or I love you. I'll see you whenever, you know, right. And, and I think some people, you know, hear me say, I love you to the teams. And they're like, what? That's so weird. And my first pushback is, is how do we know they're hearing I love you from anybody else in their life? Like so many of these kids, regardless of their background, they are not hearing that they are loved. And that is crucial that everybody knows in their life, you are loved. You are cared for by someone. Okay. So section final, we're about ready to kick penalties. Lico says, Guys, no matter what, we love each other. That's okay. And we go out and we lose the shootout, right? And I, you know, it, we didn't lose the shootout because we're talking about love and all that in the side. No, like it just, it's a shootout. We're playing rock, paper, scissors to decide who goes to state. That's what a shootout is, okay? Uh, and so, yeah, coming back from the game and, and we get back to my classroom for our debrief. And, and if you're not debriefing with your team after in all your road trips, you're crazy. Like you are wasting an opportunity to like, you've had two hours on a bus to think about how can we get better and how can we improve? Like get in a classroom and talk to your team, get them off the bus where they're like switched back on to whatever ready to move on. Go talk to them. Okay. So we do our debrief and I just, I'm standing in front of them and I'm like, I have like nothing to say. Like, I have no motivational speech for you. Like, this sucks. (laughs) This is awful. And I just said, we have each other, guys. And we've been on this road, and we have each other, and that's enough. And that's enough for me, and it's got to be enough for you. And because you're going to – we're going to need each other beyond tonight. And and we're here, 
you know, and, and for people to recognize in their, in their community, like this is why you build community, right? So you have people around you. So like when all hell breaks loose, you still got people and like, and it's hard. Cause like these guys have been to like my rock bottom. They were the ones there with me, you know, saying, Hey coach, are you okay? We really need you back here. We miss you. You know, like we've been through it. And so to, to go out like we did, that was hard, but ultimately we were all still together. And, and like, if that, if that isn't your paradigm for how you're operating your program, I would really encourage you to, to do that and to look at how can we make people the most important thing? Because yeah, absolutely. We wanted to win that game. Absolutely. We were heartbroken, but let's let's be real it's going to end sooner or later anyway right i mean you get another week together only one gets to win their last game and even then it ends right the sadness the heartbreak is not necessarily in the we lost the sadness is i don't get to do this thing with the people i care about again in this way yep i might be a sophomore and i get to come back as a junior and i'm gonna have a bigger role and we might even be better and we might win more games but the seniors are gone I don't guarantee that I'm in the same place where I got to feel this thing emotionally. We, as people, we put so much emphasis on the outcome. And as coaches, we put so much emphasis on the outcome. And we can talk all day about outcome versus process and all that stuff. But in the end, how does your season end? Yeah. With love and compassion and in a room where you're saying, what really matters is that we did this together and that we will always share this and that you have me tomorrow. Or that, man, I'm really disappointed that we weren't one of the ones to end our season with a win. Like, yeah, because and I've been guilty plenty of times where Friday, Friday night season ends, Saturday, I'm complaining about the way that it ended rather than being grateful for the people I got to spend that time with. And it sounds right as competitors, it sounds crazy. But we compete at a higher level when we know that we're trusted and cared for, right? Like, and so we we give more, we take more risk, we we step out on the limb, and we say, "I'm okay here because if I fall, somebody's going to catch me." And uh, again, I like let bring it back to the mental health conversation, bring it back to our relationships. Like, when you can do that, you can go through something like you went through, and you can have your guys say, "We need you, we love you, we miss you," right? Yeah. And uh, just powerful, powerful well, and, stuff. And, and I've talked, I think we talked about this in the first episode I was on, you know, just because you have a loss at the end or an injury, it doesn't negate your previous work. You know, it's not like, oh, we lost and guys, we don't get to remember the six years we had together seniors. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like that's not how it works. Like though they have been on this, those seniors have been on this journey that has radically impacted their lives and some of their families' lives um, because they've been a part of, of a team, you know, and it, and it's not like, cause it's my team. Like a lot of kids have these experiences where like, like their life is altered because of a sport in a positive way. And when you lose that last game, it doesn't mean that, Oh, your life altering suddenly, you know, we're not watching Loki here and they like undid the time continuum and you lost all your spoiler whatever man. happened. You know, like I that's don't even not know what you just said. So doesn't, well, it's not a spoiler. It's really Jamie. disappointing for both of you. So no, I meant for everybody else. I know what you're talking about. Okay, John's, all right, just, John's all right. out. Let's no, he's out in Montana. So yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Anyway. Coach, what 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 other takeaways? I mean, obviously, I, did we get to your takeaways from the season? Did we cover them all? I mean, I know Jamie asked you to write some down, and yeah, yeah. I know we touched on some of them, but well, the other big one is just preparation. Um, you know, when we're talking about how can you delegate, well, because we, we've done a lot of preparation on the front, um, and I think we've talked about we have a curriculum that that uh, I've written that we coach off of. Um, you know, again, back to Daniel Jones, like what's the most important skill that any person in any team game can have reading the game. Right. And how do you teach reading the game? Well, you make sure you have a lot of uh, different plans in place so that they can read the game and based on what they see, carry out those things. And so we spent a lot of time this year, making sure that, you know, 
we talked every day with the kids about what does reading the game look like and how do you do it? Um, and occasionally when we're watching pro games or even yesterday, uh, my wife and I were watching the state tournament together and there was a definitely a, well, you didn't read this situation very well, the team we were watching. And of course we go screen grab it quick and we throw it in for the curriculum for next year because it's a good opportunity to talk and with the players about seeing things that they may encounter. Um, and it takes time, you know, preparation takes time. Um, in the curriculum I use, it took me about six months to write. Um, and, and, you know, probably longer because three of those six months I was like wildly manic. And so I was running really hot, but like, it took time to write and it took a couple years to get to the point where I was like, I don't even like the first four years of coaching. I didn't even have the, that kind of plan. And I got to the point of like, what do we need to know? What are the must, you know, Jamie and I, we, we talk a lot about what are the minimum things that we have to teach and we're going to teach those things really good. Um, so preparation was a huge key to it this year. Um, you it know, sounds, like, it sounds like you're, you're crazy. If you think I didn't also write like three pages of notes to prepare for this, cause that's just how I roll. Right. And yeah. so, yeah, just, you can't have a, you can't tell a kid, read the game. That's the most important skill. If you don't give them the blueprint to do so. Yeah. And that's what I think sometimes we do as high school coaches, especially is we, we tell kids to do certain things, but we don't actually give them the tools to do it. And then they don't do it in a game and we get frustrated with them. And they're like, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> or yeah, or you're is... asking me to do something I can't do. Yeah. This echoes a, a conversation John and I have had many, many times. Like we just assume kids know things because they went through youth sports. They, they had different coach, like the words we use, they might not know. Right the way that we're communicating it might not resonate that that's the same thing you were taught in fifth grade or they were never taught it or they were never taught it well. Right. And so, or, or the words are sometimes the same, Jamie, the language is sometimes the same, but it means something else yeah. too. You know, coach, I, I want to go back to the preparation because I think you said something that made me think most coaches, I think probably all coaches would say, no, I prepare. I put in the time, like I get ready. But the thing that struck me about what you were saying, and it seems like probably more than just this year, but this year specifically too, where you said, I'm going to prepare in a way where I've got to give some stuff away. We've got to do it differently. I think most coaches say I prepare, but they don't have the end of, hey, we're going somewhere with this preparation, not just, okay, this season. The things that you're putting in place, the curriculum the delegating to coaches, the trust, right. Is beyond what the analytics, the analytics, right? right. No, but it, but it's beyond these 16 games this year, right? It's something that we can continue to build on. So maybe you can talk a little bit about how, how do you prepare intentionally to build on the foundation rather than just preparing? Yeah. A lot of it has to do with like, looking at what long-term is going to be six. Like, I don't want to do, I don't want to add things to what we're doing if they're not going to create success long-term. Um, at some point early in my track training, Gary Winkler, who is a phenomenal sprint coach said, you got to be careful when you're a new coach. Cause you're going to get new drills every year when you go to these clinics and he goes pretty soon you got a list of drills as long as your arm and you don't even know how to use them and and so we've focused a lot on we have i mean we can get really in the weeds here if we want to but um there's this concept in soccer and it, it's it should be in all sports but soccer is the first place i've really encountered it called tactical periodization and it's this idea of there's like these four phases of the game like attacking when you're transitioning from attack to defense, defense, and when you're transitioning back from defense to offense. And everything fits in there. And so like, if you read our curriculum, it's maybe not laid out in those four clear parts, but everything we do has to fit in there. If we add something new, it's got to fit in there. And you kind of, once you start to figure out what kind of team you are, 
And I think that's where a lot of coaches miss. They don't even know what kind of team they want to be. Yeah. And, and if you can understand, no, we are a, no matter what, we're going to possess the ball and we're going to high press. Like if we know that's who our identity is, then, okay, that greatly reduces right off the bat what we're going to work on in practice. And then like, okay, if we need to, you know, work on possession, well, we're only going to play it in this couple ways. That again, greatly shrinks it down. And now we're working on stuff that we can work on long-term and we can start to talk about if we want our seniors doing this, what do they need to be doing in seventh and eighth grade? And if we want them in seventh and eighth grade to be doing this, what are they doing in second grade in our summer programming? Like we're not just going to have a bunch of kids come and stand in line while we do daycare for an hour and 15 minutes, four days a week in the summer. Like there's a purpose to what we're doing, but again, like ultimate purpose behind all this relationships and like kindness and love and building community. And that's, that gets back to like, why we've started to do stuff like our one team, one family slogan and why like our, our next big uh, t-shirt push that'll come out at our coming awards night is family member. Like I'm a family member, right? You're part of this. You support us. You're a family member. And like, how do we do that? And all that's long-term thinking about like, how do we create a better community? And some of it, yeah, is very in the weeds soccer nerdery. Don't get me wrong. (laughs) But you know what's loving? Being simple, being clear, being being able to communicate with consistency, right? Like consistency is love. Yeah. Showing up again and again and again is love. So if you hear it as a second grader and it doesn't change as a third grader and it doesn't change as a seventh grader and it doesn't change as a senior, like it's loving to not be confusing, right? It's yeah. loving to to send the same message with consistency. And you said, I mean, you said know who you are, like. John, how often do we talk about identity, right? And that's just, if you don't have that defined, you can't be much of anything. And, and when we talk about the preparation piece, like we have 12 practices that we run with the PRHS varsity soccer team, 12. Now there's some tweaks here and there, but like those are the, we have three possession practices. We have three pressing practices. We have, you know, like, and we don't, if we're not working in those 12, we're not doing it because it gets too complicated. And we, in our youth levels, we have eight practices for the summer. Say, say that again. Hold on. Say that again. You <laughs> okay, have 12 so practices. We have session, like 12 planned sessions or 12 ideas that yep. we'll work through. That's the list. So like we had 36 practices this year. It means we got through everything three times and we're not, we're not like reinventing the wheel and sometimes we'll come out of a game and we'll be like, okay, we got to touch on this concept, but it's, it's going to happen in this session in a couple of days. Like this is not just throw it all at the wall. What we think like this is planned out ahead of time of here's the 12 sessions for the year. Here's how they fit with the schedule. Well, and I think that that speaks to the intentionality one and two, then you then can spend time on, the creativity, the relationships, the whole, because I think so often too, the, the thing is time, right? Mm-hmm. Time. Well, if you're planning a new practice every day, every night, every week, whatever it is, you guys go into it and you say, Oh, nope, these are our 12. We can. And, and then yes, you can adjust within them and there's some freedom within that, but how much does that free up your time right. and your energy to spend in other places? Yeah. And in the, the first last year, when we did it for the first time, my word, it was a time suck to get those sure. sessions in packaged in a way that like, okay, here's the 13 page PDF for this session to go to my assistants so they can walk in and know what they're doing uh, or know like you have these parameters to work within go. That took a long time on the front. However, this year they got like a, here's your week, what we're working on each day. And you'll get the email with the PDF the day of. And I didn't have to do hardly anything with it because we had stuff set up or we went, I went in and tweaked like one thing only. And so, yeah, it takes time. And like the youth development thing that took years to get to the point where we're like, these are the eight sessions the kids are learning in the summer. If they're third through fifth, and these are the eight, if they're K through two. 
and it doesn't change. And the great part about it is now we can bring new coaches in every year and we just hand it to them. And we're like, here's the USA soccer training you got to do. Here's the sessions you're going to have to teach. Let me know where you have questions. And, and we go and we have the returning coaches who come in and they're like, I already know what we're doing. This is great. Yep. Like there's, there's unbelievable value in an unbelievable challenge on the front. Right. Yep. And we, again, this is, this goes to the very first thing that we talked about, right? I say this to people. I tell my athletes to do this and I don't do it myself. People, if you're listening, I know that this sounds like it's crazy, but if you do the work, like you get the benefit of being able to focus your attention, and your time on, we're going to roll out a new t-shirt because we care about communities. Like we're actually, we're going to be intentional about the t-shirts that we get. And we're not just going to go through somebody and let them design the logo and do all this stuff. No, we're going to, we're going to focus on that because we know we're going to draw people in and we're going to, we're going to be able to have a quote like you had in the paper that says, no, it's enough. This is enough because all the other stuff, it kind of runs itself and we still love each other going into PKs. Like that's, that's the actual thing that matters here today. Um, it's amazing, man. I I've said this to you before and I'll say it out loud in public, right? The nobody does this, Right. Nobody does this. Nobody in small town high school soccer is doing the things that you are doing. The advantages you give and have created for your athletes and for the people in that community to experience soccer in the way that, they, what a blessing, what a gift that you are giving to those people, to those kids. And I, an amazing example. Um, I don't know, man. I, I'm grateful to, to get to have this conversation again to get to have these conversations between just the two of us regularly and that John got to be a fly in the wall today. I, <laughs> and it's, uh, it's awesome, dude. Well, thanks for your kind words, guys. I, I just, you know, my goal in all this, a, that people can see the love, right. Can see love in what we're doing. And obviously, you know, if you have listened to me talk on two of these now and you don't understand that I love Jesus and that his, his love is driving all this, you're not paying attention. Okay. Um, and I'm in a public school, so I can't be real vocal about that. Um, and it, however, there's a lot of what I'm doing that if you give yourself time, you can do. And I think a lot of people I talk to about what we're doing here and they, they now, especially, you know, I used to hear the phrase, Oh, you're crazy to do all that. <laughs> right. And now I actually like, I am right. And people are like, well, you're bipolar. That's how you can do it. And I'm like, no, but like, how long are you going to do this? Are you going to coach for five or 10 years? Then start putting in the work. And, and that was the other thing Winkler said, don't have 20 first seasons. Coach for 20 years and have 20 good years, but don't have 20 first years because you're just coming back to the drawing board and you don't have a plan. You're going to waste your talent. You're going to waste your kids' talent. You're going to waste opportunities to build something great. And that's, and that's so true in everything, you know, and you, we talk, we're talking about athletics right now and coaching, but in business and your teaching, you know, as a teacher, don't have, have don't 20 have great years. years as a teacher, man. Yeah, first year as a teacher is <laughs> awful. Yeah. Um, but Coach, appreciate your time. It's always a pleasure, and uh, we look forward to the next time you come back on. Well, thanks a lot, guys. It's always good to talk to you. I am so grateful, and I said this to JP in the process, that he was able to come on. I hope that how conversational that felt to us comes across to all of you, and as a result, we don't feel like there's something we need to tell you that – was a big takeaway for us. I, John, I might be wrong. Am I speaking for you there? No, I, I just told you, I feel simultaneously full of with my heart and my mind and also exhausted because it, it just is energy transfer. And, and I, I, again, I think the takeaway is in the, in the conversation, the takeaway is in there. There's a million of them, but, and then I, but I also do think the whole thing leads back to well, concept. the reason I asked JP to come on is because we had this heat. I just texted him and said, how you doing? How's it going? I, you know, I gave you some space after the game. 
And he's like, he told me the story essentially that was the quote in the newspaper. He's like, it has to be enough, right? The love, the community, the us, the together has to be enough. And if it's not, all the other stuff we talked about really doesn't matter. Uh, so for that, find ways to build it. And if you do, it will be enough. Appreciate you, Jamie. Appreciate you joining us and listening today. And as always, live eyes up. <laughs>